0: This is a Willets Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willets Point Shea Stadium.
1: Subway to Shape podcast Anthony Rivera here with you, talking about all the news and happening surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Subway to Shea. Listen to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Casts. Turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. If you're a new listener to this podcast, thanks for joining us and I hope you consider subscribing on any of the platforms I mentioned and share with your fellow Mets fans let them know that this is the podcast to listen to for all of your New York Mets news issues we're talking about it all so make sure to subscribe and share it with your friends and family if they're Mets fans as well if you've been a supporter this whole time I can't thank you enough coming on this journey with me over a year ago and we've made it this far even through with the lockout we've made it this far and we are going to continue chugging along each and every week Subway to Shay is becoming global. This podcast not only is played in the U.S., but also reaches Great Britain, Canada, Australia, Mexico, the Netherlands, Italy, and Colombia. That's truly amazing. That's all I got to say about that. No matter where you listen, please take a few minutes to write me a review. Let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I want to make this show better each and every week for you Met fans out there. So by going on Apple Podcasts, rating the show from 1 to 5 stars, hopefully it's 5 stars, and leaving comments in the review section, it could only help me to make this podcast grow each and every week. You can also rate the show on Spotify, which is a new feature. You just go on your Spotify app, there's a little button you press for the rating, and it will generate that for you, and it just helps to let others know what you think of this podcast. Make sure to also follow my work for Rising Apple. Rising Apple is a New York Met site on the fan-sided network. You can read my articles by going to risingapple.com or checking out the links in the description of each week's podcast episode. Make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at RisingAppleBlog and the fan-sided network at fan-sided. Before we get started with the show today, I wanted to thank our last guest last week, Rob Pearsall. Rob is the founder and editor-in-chief of MetsLegends.com, your go-to website for anything and everything about the Mets and some of the legendary players that have graced the blue and orange in Queens. Make sure to check it out, especially on social media. He's very active on social media and it's always good to interact with him. Rob, thank you and look forward to having you on again in the future. Now, on to this week's episode, episode 52, with our third guest in three weeks. We keep rolling here on the Subway Shape Podcast. And without further ado, joining me now is one of the preeminent names in covering Mets prospects, Joe DeMayo. Joe is a contributor at SNY.TV and co-host of That's So Mets podcast with Connor Rogers. Joe, welcome to the Subway to Shea podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. At this moment, baseball is still in shutdown mode, so I thought it'd be great to finally discuss the Mets farm system and where some of the prospects are to start 2022. And no better name than Joe DeMay to come on here and do this with me. So I really appreciate you coming on.
0: Of course, man. My pleasure.
1: So I don't really get to follow the farm system as much as i would and probably should i like to but you know i try to keep a close eye on who's getting ready to reach the major leagues and your articles are always very helpful two names that immediately stand out to me are khalil lee and mark vientos so let's start off with khalil lee he got a cup of coffee with the mets in 2021 due to an unprecedented amount of injuries and and he basically struggled he wasn't ready but some Mets fans seem to be down on him because of that whole situation can you convince these fans why they shouldn't be so down on Khalil Lee?
0: I can try, but you know Mets fans, uh, they're they're (laughs) very hard to convince because they think something and that's it. But yeah, obviously Khalil Lee had major struggles in his big league uh, debut. Like you said, he was simply not ready. They just were out of people to call up. So Khalil Lee got the call, obviously struck out a bunch. And strikeouts are a part of his game. That's something that he does need work on. His contact rate isn't as high as you'd like it to be. Um, But this is a guy that led all of minor league baseball and on-base percentage after he got sent back down to triple A and he was top five in weighted run created plus in all of minor league baseball. So Khalil Lee is a player. Um I think he's got a good floor of a fourth outfielder because he's a very good defensive player. His best tool is probably his throwing arm. So he has a plus arm. He has above average raw power that he's tapped into a little bit more recently. He's got above average speed pretty good base running IQ. In his last year with the Royals in 2019, he stole 53 bases at the AA level. Uh, the Mets just simply didn't have him run. Not quite not quite sure why, uh, but obviously he's he's a threat on the base paths. He could play all three outfield spots. He can throw. He's got a little bit of pop. He's got to work on that contact rate, but if he's able to make more consistent contact and bring down that breakout rate while maintaining that walk rate that he has, you know, he, he could be an everyday outfielder, so that that's certainly not out, out of the cards yet. But I I think Mets fans shouldn't give up on him. And, you know, there's a legitimate chance, depending on what happens uh, with free agency and trade post lockout, that Khalil Lee is, you know, an opening day, fourth, fifth outfielder on the big league team.
1: Now, do you think the Mets would be more inclined to go with a guy like Nick Plummer, who they also signed? Or would you prefer a Khalil Lee instead?
0: I don't know as much about Plummer as I do about Lee, so I will naturally say I'd rather have Lee. Uh, I, I know that Plummer's A experience is not as great as Lee's. Lee's been uh, spent more time in AAA than Plummer has, so I guess the, they're probably pretty close, but tiebreaker, I'd say Lee has more A experience, so i feel a little more comfortable with him. But they can start compete in spring training. I don't have a problem with that either.
1: Yeah. Rob Manfred just announced the Universal DH, and the first name I thought of, outside of who they have on the Major League roster, was Mark Vientos. I know the Mets have this conundrum with their roster, but could we see Vientos this year at DH, and is that the best spot for him at this time?
0: So the Mets aren't giving up on Vientos defensively. Uh, I struggle to see what position he best fits at, personally, uh, but from what I'm told, they still believe that he's going to be able to figure out left field or third base, but uh, the DH being an available option is a, is a big thing for him. Uh, he was added to the 40-man roster this winter to protect him from the rule five draft where he surely would have been selected and you know that makes him a call away he'll he'll be so you don't need to designate someone for assignment to bring him up he'll be in AAA Syracuse because that's where he ended the year and you know all he has to do is perform and have an injury or two or some underperformance and you could see mark vientos up like you said maybe doing some dh maybe spelling some guys you know uh, on a specific day you can play left field or you can play third base uh, i think often when we talk about defensive prowess with some of these prospect. it's kind of like they're either a gold-glover or they're completely incapable of playing defense. Like, Vientos can stand there and you know, he could catch fly balls. He could catch grounders. He's got a pretty solid arm. So, like, you know, you, in an ideal world, he's not spending a ton of time in the field. But if he has to, I don't think, you know, I don't think he's going to kill you out there. The reality is his bat is what's carrying him to the major leagues. And if they could figure out a good defensive home for him, even better. But the DH will help with Mark Viento's score score.
1: I think what hurts him is that, you know, in, in your article, you have him third base outfield, first base Kind of really two of those positions are kind of really, I don't want to say set, but Third base seems to be uh, Brett Bayes in waiting. And I don't see Alonzo going anywhere, especially since he's improved at defense. I thought he played a pretty, you know, good defense at first base last year. And it seems like, you know, the outfield is the best option. I don't know if you've seen him, you know, in play. Do you have confidence in Vientos playing an adequate outfield? I feel like it's, like you mentioned earlier about, you know, you're playing in the corners and you got to play the defense well. And the outfield, it's a little bit different, you know, and we've had Dom Smith out there, McNeil out there. Could Vientos play adequate out in the outfield?
0: I mean, I think it's a possibility that he's passable. Uh, so I have not seen him in person in the outfield yet. Uh, I, I saw him play twice this year. He DH'd one game and played a third base the other day. So uh, I have not seen him personally, but we had... Vietos on Mets Perspective, the Sny Prospect Digital Video Series with myself and Jacob Resnick. And we asked him about the transition to the outfield, and he said this year was the first time he's ever played the outfield in his life. So inexperience would be a way to put it, and it's just a matter, I, I think he probably has enough athleticism to fake it out there and left. And, you know, I mean, certainly, like you said, they put Dom Smith out there who's not an outfielder. At one point, they had Daniel Murphy, Lucas Duda, not outfielders, play left so there's no reason why Vientos can't be at least that. He's a little more athletic than those guys are, uh, but obviously outfield's not going to be uh, a strong suit for him. But I, I would I would agree with you that I think Brett Beatty is most likely the long-term third baseman here, and um, I would make sure Vientos took as many outfield reps as possible.
1: I know you also mentioned about another prospect, Jake. Uh, I gotta say his last name because I keep wanting to say Magnum, but it's Mangum, right? Jake Mangum. Mangum.
0: Yeah. Mangum. Yeah.
1: So he worked with Vientos in the outfield and was trying to help him come along on that position. Is he also someone that we could possibly see play sometime? Obviously, if there's injuries, we know they're going to happen at some point because that just seems to be, you know, what happens with the Mets. Uh, If not him, who are some names that we might see in the majors that really haven't been talked about? Maybe like a sleeper pick of someone you think would uh, come up
0: a good choice for that for that description i don't think there's a ton of sleepers really honestly in the upper minors a lot of the talent at this point is either the top guys or you know young kids that are in a ball that aren't quite ready to make an impact i mean you could look at a guy like the carlos cortez obviously if if, if he doesn't get selected in the rule five draft he'll be a possibility but i think Magnum's a good one An uh, older guy he's the all-time sec hits leader at, from mississippi he was at mississippi state And he had a really good 2021 season. Uh, He tapped into some more power while not uh, having a much bigger strikeout rate. Which typically, when you start seeing guys hit for more power, the strikeout rate goes up with it. His really didn't fluctuate much. He had a really strong uh, year for Double A, especially the month of August. He hit over 400 in August. He's a really good bat. The ball skills and he could really, really play center field. Like this is above average center field ability. Um, He could track gap to gap could go over his head he can come in he's kind of that grinder gritty kind of player that i feel like new york fans are going to fall in love with like he's blue collar that kind of guy like every everything is hustle with jake and you know i I think there's there's certainly a chance that you see him if he can translate his offensive success from 2021 into A Syracuse in 2022. Like you said, couple injuries, a couple things. Uh, I, I don't think it's out of the realm at all of possibility that Jake Mangum makes his big league debut in 2022. Would
1: you consider Jake's offense to be kind of in the line between a um, Brandon Nimmo, Jeff McNeil type?
0: Uh, I mean, I so I, I think Jake's probably going to best, Project as a fourth outfielder, you know, going to carry him as an everyday player for certain going forward. Uh, but if you want to talk just like skill set, I guess closer to McNeil than Nimmo. He's not uh, like Nimmo's an extreme on base guy. Jake has, you know, good on base skills, but it's not like that. Uh, McNeil's generally a contact hitter, and that's really what Jake is a contact hitter that can play the outfield, hustle, grinder type, like. He fits on a big league bench like he's a guy that, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. But I would I wouldn't would not be surprised at all if he was a long term fourth outfielder. All
1: right, let's get into your top 20 list. And we got to talk about the big three, right? Francisco Alvarez, Brett Beatty, Ronnie Mauricio. Alvarez is the number one prospect in the organization. Top 10 in all of baseball. You said he has legit all-star potential. What major league catcher does he remind you of?
0: Oh man, um, I avoid comps like the plague. So <laughs> I'm gonna, so I'm, I'm, going to bow out on giving you a player because I don't like those headlines. Uh, it's not fair to anybody, but I can tell you about his skill set. Like this is a high exit velocity, gap to gap, line to line, power bat. Seventy grade power, which it's on a twenty eighty scale for people that don't understand on the scouting scale. A seventy, like if, if he takes the raw power he has and it continues to grow in game, it's a thirty home run type of bat. Wow. Like it's very it's very legitimate. Um he does have some issues with breaking balls. At this point in time, but he's 19 years old playing against mm-hmm. competitions that that's four or five years older than him. So I mean, the success he had is even more impressive when you just take into account his age and then the age of his competition. Uh, so he's got he still got some stuff to work on there, but all in all, it I think the bat's going to be plus plus. And behind the plate, got you need some work on receiving and blocking balls, like overall just catching ability. But he's he's a hard worker and he's one of those guys that you're going to maximize the defensive ability. Uh, as far as that goes, but throwing arm is there. Like it's well above average. Uh, he's going to be able to throw runners out. Good pop time. So I think he's going to stick behind the plate, and that obviously helps the profile of becoming an all star. But I think he has a bat that, if like if he played a different position, if if Francisco Alvarez was a first baseman, a third baseman, an outfielder, just whatever he was, I think the bat is good enough to be an all star caliber player, regardless of what position he played.
1: And the Mets have been really been waiting for a, you know, good catcher to come along the way, kind of got teased a little bit with Travis Darno. We thought he was going to be the guy, but really haven't since, I guess, Mike Piazza and Paul Duca have had a really, you know, legitimate good backstop.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. It's been, it's been a long time, and um, I also would say when people obviously were focused on the Mets, but if you just look around baseball, catching is really not a position that there's a a ton of awesome players at. So the Mets do have the opportunity. We'll see how Alvarez all shakes out, but like I rank him first and to me it's him and then it's a gap to Brett Beatty, like a a pretty significant gap as far as a prospect goes. Yeah, like to me Alvarez is that guy. I've been right before, I've been wrong before, but uh, we'll we'll see how he all shakes out. But the potential to be an all-star is genuine, for sure.
1: Well, Brett Beatty, he definitely lit it up in 2021. Every time I saw a video of him hitting, just the sound off the bat was just so loud. He's made some huge strides, but how far along is he offensively and defensively in terms of getting closer to Queens I, I could thought I saw his ETA being 2022 but I don't know if that changed or not. Yeah I, I
0: think it's it's possible that Brett makes the major leagues this year. I don't think it's impossible I think it kind of is going to depend where they start him. I'm not sure if they're going to put him in AAA to start or just hold him back in AA so that way he can get consistent third base reps. Uh, they're going to want to give Viento some I'm sure in AAA mm-hmm. so I don't know how much they want to play around there but Brett pure hitter like you said everything's loud off his bat high exit velocities Uh, he's got well above average raw power to left center or right center like he goes up the middle with authority Uh, he made some swing adjustments at the arizona fall league that they believe will create more loft in his swing and you'll see more home run power because i believe he only hit 15 or 16 this year while other guys hit 20 plus Uh, i think he's a 25 home run type of bat and on, on the defensive side of the ball, he's made really good strides uh, defensively at third base, where I think he won't win you gold gloves, but I think he's slated to be average, maybe maybe a tick above, but about average at third base while having an above average uh, bat profile. You know, this may not be like a superstar player, but he's going to be a really quality regular for a long time.
1: And along with Vientos, he's also been getting reps in the outfield as well, right? Yeah, they,
0: for for a little bit there in AA, were literally really alternating days who played which position
1: now I really don't know what to say about Ronnie Mauricio there just doesn't seem to be or it feels like there doesn't seem to be a place for him where does he fit in this organization with Lindor Manning short for the long haul
0: Uh, So they're going to try out some different positions, I think, this spring. I'd expect you see some reps at second base. I'd expect you see some reps at third base. And I'd expect you see some reps in the outfield because he is a pretty good athlete. So I think they believe that there's a chance he could transition to any of those positions. Um, However, at six foot four, near 200 pounds, you don't really see many second basemen that are that big. So it would be a unique profile to have him as a second baseman. Uh, But the Mets simply love the bat and they're going to do everything they can, I believe, to find the the right position for him. Uh, he's a guy that, to me, needs a lot of work on his contactability, ability, on his pitch recognition. Like, even though he's at the double A level, I feel like he's more raw than guys like Vientos and Beatty and Alvarez offensively. Uh, he's got power, which he never tapped into until this year, and he hit 20 home runs, so you really saw him get into that power and. You know, he hits some high exit velocity home runs in the 109, 110 mile an hour range. So he can hit the ball hard. He just really needs growth on his pitch recognition skills, especially especially breaking stuff and his overall contact ability needs to grow. So there's there's definitely it feels like more boom bust type of thing with Ronnie Mauricio than some of the others uh, that we've talked about. Uh, but certainly the the upside's really really high and you know we'll see this year uh, in Double A a full season of Double A kind of where Ronnie Mauricio really is at.
1: Is he a guy that you would hold on to? Like would you hold or is he the first if you're thinking of trading a prospect is he the one that would be you know I guess a, a centerpiece of a package
0: I mean ultimately it depends who we're talking about acquiring like I, I don't I I don't watch prospects at all like you're barking mm-hmm. up the wrong tree if you're talking about even a prospect uh, but if you're talking like a major blockbuster type deal and it has to include one of the top four or five prospects in the system yeah Mauricio would be the one that I think is the most natural fit to be a part of that uh, but in my ideal world you're building up a mega farm system you have all the draft picks coming up i'd try to keep as much of your top level prospect talent as you can
1: yeah with the state of the farm system right now for me personally i wouldn't trade anyone unless the mets were really right maybe one piece away from being you know right there legitimate World Series contender. I I, I can't see them trading any of these guys or, you know, after they get, what, six picks now that they have in the upcoming draft. I I, I can't see them just, you know, stripping that away with a big offseason that they've had and, and what's coming. So... I I would personally, you know, keep him until, you know, maybe there's that that one piece that you just need that one hitter, that one pitcher that's going to maybe take them to a World Series.
0: Yeah, I think that's a logical way to look at it. And, I, I believe the Mets think very similarly, that they want to be able to spend money at the major league level commensurate it with their market and amongst the top in baseball. And they want to build up the farm system where when you go on Baseball America, and you go on these other sites, they're talking about the Mets as one of the top five or better farm systems in baseball. Um, I think Steve Cohen is very invested in both the big league team winning and the minor league team winning. Uh, Organization, you know, grooming future stars.
1: So out of your top 20 list uh, that you have, Are there any guys you're really going to take a closer look at this year? I mean, obviously there's, we mentioned, you know, the big names, but is there anyone that we haven't mentioned that there's someone we should keep an eye on this year?
0: Dom Hamill for me is one that I want to highlight. I have him number 11. He was the Mets third round pick this past year out of Dallas Baptist. He's an absolute spin rate monster. I mean, he has plus spin rates on all of his pitches. Uh, He's calmed down his delivery, which is, which led to better control. At Dallas Baptist in his last year there, he's he set those single season records for Dallas Baptist and strikeouts for a season. So, and he went down to the Florida Coast League for a very brief stint, and the Mets came away incredibly uh, impressed with what he has to offer, especially with his breaking ball and his fastball that'll get up to 96 miles an hour. I'd expect he'd start the year in High A Brooklyn with the opportunity to maybe even reach Double A by the end of this season if he you know has the kind of half season or so. That you'd expect in high A, but yeah, I think you could be a fast riser. That has the upside of, you know, a number four type starter, which I know a lot of people basically want their prospects to be stars or their bums, basically. A uh, number four starter, go try to find one in the free agent market and see how much you're paying for that. So, or how about just depth, depth in general? Right. I mean, yes. we they, depth, they need depth.
1: Last year, it was proven. I mean, we had, what, five or six? We started the year with at least seven deep, and it still wasn't enough. So if you, they can yeah. add to the depth pool, third, fourth, fifth starters, I mean, only for the better.
0: Yeah, the, the goal, the goal, realistically, each year is to be like nine or ten with guys that you are legitimately okay with taking the ball to start a game when you need them to. Uh, you you basically don't want to be dipping into the Jared Eikhoffs of the world. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the Mets are in a little better position because I expect them to sign or trade for a starting pitcher once this lockout ends. And I assume they'll add some depth so that that would push guys like Tyler McGill and David Peterson to AAA. You have a guy like Trevor Williams who is, you know, probably going to start in the bullpen, but you can start him if you have to. Guy Jordan Yamamoto could be in AAA, and then they added a young prospect Jose Buteau and Adam Aller to the forty-man roster. They're both going to probably be in AAA, so I think the depth will be in a little better spot this year than it has been in years past. But like you said, keep adding arms because you can never ever ever have enough pitching.
1: Yeah, the hope for me is that both David Peterson and Tyler McGill start off in AAA, if they were able to add to the rotation and, and push those guys back just so they could get a little more seasoning. Both of them bu- got brought up with so much injury bugs happening in 2020 and 2021. So if they could get pushed back just for a little bit, for a little bit of seasoning, I would be perfectly fine with that. Once again, I'm here with Joe DeMeo, contributor at SNY.TV and co-host of That's So Mets podcast with Connor Rogers. The 2022 MLB draft is coming. The Mets have a huge opportunity coming up up with six picks in the draft two in the first round have you begun any like mock drafts yet anyone interests you off the bat for the Mets to take at 11 and 14
0: yeah I'm, I'm not quite deep enough to really uh give you good mock draft scenarios but yes I have started my work on the 2022 class and I started with you know other people's lists and asking around and by all accounts uh, the 2022 class is better than the 2021 class uh it's certainly a deeper class I've heard uh deeper actually than probably the last three or four drafts so they're they had they've picked a good year to i guess have a bunch of draft picks but baseball america did release a mock draft today you know uh whatever we're recording what's the t- today's the 10th yeah so on the february 10th baseball america actually released their first mock draft just to throw a couple names out there uh brock porter he's a high school right hander from michigan uh, this is six four two 205, up to 99, with a plus changeup, which is very uncommon for a high school arm. Uh, Typically, the high school profile is good fastball, good breaking ball, need work on the changeup. He's kind of a little the opposite, where it's fastball, changeup, need a little work on the breaking ball. Uh, Certainly, sky high upside, just a matter of, are the Mets really looking at that profile? Historically, they do not, at least in the first round. The Mets love going High school arms, compensatory rounds, second round, third round. That's really where they like to dive into that pool. Because, uh, I mean, the last time that they used the true first round pick on a high school pitcher was Scott Casimir. Been that long. Mm. So I I, wouldn't, I don't know if I have the utmost confidence that that pick would come to fruition, uh, but he's a guy to keep a, keep an eye on. And they also gave Landon Sims to the Mets at number 14. Uh, he's the right-hand pitcher from Mississippi State, which he would join JT Ginn, Jake Mangum, Cole Gordon, Rowdy Jordan, and Buck Showalter as uh, members of the Mets organization that are Mississippi State graduates. Uh, Landon Sims was the closer for Mississippi State, frequently pitching two, two and a third, two and two thirds uh, at the end of games. But he's going to be transitioning to a starter this year uh, for the Bulldogs. So we'll see how that how that transition works. Um, if he pans out as a starter this year, he probably will go in the top ten and, we, and the Mets won't really have a shot at him. But there is some question as to how he's going to transition as a starter. He's really a two-pitch guy at this point, fastball best and then he has the best slider in the draft class he's got a change up that lags behind uh, often didn't use it being that he was a reliever it'll be an important pitch for his development this year but there's a lot of things to be excited about with this draft class and the Mets are going to have the flexibility with, like you said, the two first round picks, the couple compensatory picks, assuming uh, the new CBA with the elimination of draft picks doesn't cost the Mets the Michael Conforto pick. Um, my guess would be that wouldn't take effect until next year, but who knows? Anything could happen. But they're in position with the bonus pool that they're going to have and the flexibility that they're going to be able to bring so much, so much talent into this farm system that it can go from, depending on who you ask, you know, let's call it a top 15 to 20 farm system. And it could, it could go to, top 10 kind of seemingly overnight well that's what
1: we want to hear and we want to see because they have been kind of lingering around especially after you trading Jared Kelnick and some of the terrible moves under the Brody Van Wagenen uh, regime that our whole farm system was kind of depleted getting these first round draft picks and especially the second one all had to do with what happened with the Kumar Rocker situation what did you think of that whole um, issue with Kumar Rocker would you have signed him anyway or were the Mets right with the way they handled the situation
0: I guess only time will tell if they were right. That's kind of tough for me to judge. I don't have access to the medicals. Uh, But for the Met to take somebody um, with a medical question and legitimately fail them on a physical and not even try to work a reduced signing bonus, just we're not going to sign you, those medicals had to be not very good. Yeah. And I don't think Tommy John surgery, like a lot of people are like just have him if he needs Tommy Johns surgery just do it well the Mets drafted JT Ginn in the second round three months after he had Tommy John surgery so I don't think Tommy John's surgery is a fear here um, I hope the best for Kumar I hope that you know he he's healthy and he gets he'll get he'll be draft eligible again this year so hopefully he gets taken um, but clearly you know time will tell if they were right or wrong but I do give them some level of credit for having the conviction that we did the medical test and we are not comfortable signing this person. So let's not just sign him to make fans happy and sell t-shirts that say, you know, whatever, yeah. rock the city, whatever <laughs> phrase they would make up. Like don't sign him just because, you know, you took him and, you know, Deal with the deal with the backlash, which they dealt with. There's no question. Like they got killed for it. Um, obviously, they have to make up for it now with with the two first round pick. But it, uh, you know, we'll we'll see it. We'll see if they were right. But they they certainly felt conviction in their decision. And if Kumar Rocker's healthy and good, I would recommend that he uh, does the optional medical testing for the 2022 draft and kind of show that. Because right now, if you look at mock drafts. Baseball America today, I think, had him going in the 20s to the Blue Jays so 20s uh, in the stop. in
1: the first round or in the 20th round yeah
0: no the first round so 20 like I, I forget if it was 21 or 23 okay. overall something like that but that's obviously a decline from being 10th yeah and I think a, a part of that is whether the Mets were right or wrong like I said we'll, we'll find out in time but if nothing else that created question in the industry about Kumar Rocker's general health and the only way to prove that you're right would be to take the medical testing you know pre-draft because it is optional and uh, most people don't do it. In his defense, like I, I don't think he was purposely hiding something or anything. Um, pretty much, almost almost nobody partakes <laughs> in the free jerk medicals because in theory it could only hurt you. But I think if he's able to pitch an independent ball and prove that he's healthy, uh, he he could go you know right in that top 15, 20 range.
1: And, and the Mets only got killed on this because they draft him. There were nine other teams that passed him by, and you know besides yeah. the Jack Leiter who you know was probably going to be the consensus at the top. Kumar Rocker wasn't too far behind and he dropped all the way to the Mets. So I think if the Mets didn't draft him at all, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I don't know if he is he even going to be playing. I don't even know if he's playing in the independent league or he's just waiting out the for the draft.
0: Uh, I've heard that the intention is he'll pitch an independent ball to some level this year. So I don't know how much, I don't know if he's going to do a full workload or if he's just going to join an independent team like a month before the draft and say, I'll show you what I got for three weeks before the draft or something like that. I'm I'm not sure, but I'd expect you see him pitch somewhere this year.
1: Well, Joe, I can't thank you enough for joining me today. Give us a little insight on what you're working on next and uh, make sure to share your, you know, social media handles.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Appreciate you. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at ESL, two flushing and a TO, not the number two um Check out the That's So Mets podcast. We do a podcast every Tuesday. You could get it on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. You could find it. Just search That's So Mets, and it will come up. Um, sh- uh, subscribe to the That's So Mets YouTube channel. That's where we're going to be doing, you know, unique interviews, uh, kind of breaking news things. So, you know, if the Mets make a major move out of the lockout, we're hopping on the YouTube channel right after it happens, um, and not waiting until the following Tuesday or whatever for uh, for the podcast. So follow both of those, uh, check out my work at SNY.tv. I'm going to have some good prospect deep dive stories throughout minor league spring training, just some profiles and some prospects. And I, I've done a bunch this off season. So go back and look at those. And, uh, yeah, I think that probably covers everything for me, but uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me.
1: Yeah, Joe, thanks again. And I would love to have you on in the future.
0: You got it, man. Anytime. All right. You take care. You
1: do. That was Joe DeMeo. Joe is a contributor at SNY.tv and co-host of That's So Mets Podcast with Connor Rogers, one of the preeminent names in covering Mets prospects. Him, Jacob Resnick. Make sure you follow his work. You will never. Be disappointed in any of the prospect work that comes out of Joe DeMayo. Now, my final thoughts before this train leaves the station. Mets Old Timers Day has officially been announced on Saturday, August 27th. Before their game against the Colorado Rockies, the Mets will have Old Timers Day. They're going to have a game They're going to have player introductions, which begin at 5 p.m. You can get your tickets now or wait until the lockout's over because we don't know what's going to go on yet. We don't know if we're going to have a season yet but letting you know that there will be an Old Timers Day and it is official. We've talked about it in previous weeks. we talked about it last week with my guest Rob Pearsall so make sure to go back and listen to that episode where we talk about who we think should participate in Old Timers Day. It's the first time since 1994 and they've officially announced some names Frank Thomas from the original 1962 team. You got Ron Swoboda from the team. Mike Piazza's got to be there, right? John Matlack who got inducted into the Hall of Fame last year, Felix Mian, Mookie Wilson, Howard Johnson, Bobby Ojeda, Robin Ventura, Turk Wendell, Andy Chavez, Cliff Floyd, and Daniel Murphy. It's weird to think that Daniel Murphy is now considered an old timer since he just recently retired, but it's great to see him back. He was a big part of the Mets, especially in 2015. He had that awesome playoff appearance, and you gotta have him, right? You gotta have Daniel Murphy there. 40 Players will be attending Old Timers Day. So, we're going to find out who these names are as we move along in the months and the weeks leading up to Old Timers Day. I'm very excited for it. I think I'm going to get my tickets eventually. Once the season gets started, I, I did get tickets for the Keith Hernandez number retirement. So that's already said, but I might wait a few months or maybe I'll wait until exactly when we find out that the season is back on. Or maybe they do this, you know, anyway, that would be cool to see. Right. Those players have nothing to do with the lockout. They're all retired. Also, Rob Manfred addressed. The current state of the lockout on Thursday. A couple of tidbits. The universal DH is coming. I know people are split on this. Me, personally, I'm okay with it. The league should be uniform. There shouldn't be either a DH in one league or a pitcher hitting in another league it's either both leagues have pitchers hitting or both leagues have the DH so I'm okay with the DH coming as long as it's for both leagues I don't want to see Jacob deGrom hit and get hurt again especially in a season where he was really pitching well could have been MVP could have been Cy Young could have been both it was a historical season and we lost him due to injury a couple of times for hitting as well not not just pitching but we lost him a couple of times due to his swinging and I don't want him getting hurt I I don't want any of the pitchers getting hurt so I'm okay with this I know a lot of fans that aren't okay with that and that's okay too so your opinion but my opinion is I think that this is a long time coming also the elimination of draft pick compensation which means now whenever a team signs a player there will be no draft picks tied to that player makes good for free agent signings maybe they'll happen faster Maybe teams will be more inclined to sign a player knowing that they won't lose a draft pick. Not going to probably happen this year because there's already been some movement on it. Maybe they'll start next year. But let's say Michael Conforto signs elsewhere. That team wouldn't lose a draft pick under these new rules. And the Mets wouldn't get a draft pick. So maybe this works out in the long run for free agents, for teams. Maybe there'll be more activity going on, which is good. Always love activity. We saw a lot of it right before the lockout happened. It was an awesome time for free agency. Manfred also thinks opening day will be on as scheduled, which is March 31st. They're going to be making a good faith, and I quote this, a good faith positive proposal on Saturday. Hopefully this gets going because next week is supposed to be the beginning of spring training. It's supposed to be the beginning of camp. So we're going to see if a deal can get done. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. You know, the words sound good coming out of Rob Manfred's mouth. But with everything, actions speak louder than words. Let's see some actions and let's see pen to paper get a deal done because all of us, Mets fans, baseball fans, all alike, want baseball back. So let's get a deal done. Well, that will wrap it up for this week's show. Please take a few minutes to write me a review. Let me know what you think of the show. What you like. What you don't like. I want to make this show better each and every week. So by going on Apple Podcasts, rating the show from 1 to 5 stars, hopefully you're giving me 5 stars, and by leaving comments in the review section, it can only help me to help this show grow. You can also rate the show on Spotify, which is a new feature. Do that as well, and it Shows people that you like this show or you don't like the show. But if you're listening consistently, I'm sure you like the show, right? So there. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at subway We've had a great following on Twitter. We're growing on Instagram, and it's all been positive feedback, so I really appreciate that. Listen and subscribe to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and pocket Cast. turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of subway to shea also i'm a contributor for rising apple a new york mets site on the fan-sided network you can check out my articles for rising apple as i will leave the links in the description of this episode make sure to follow rising apple on twitter at rising apple blog thank you everyone for tuning in i appreciate you all so very much and that will do it for this week's podcast always remember To listen, subscribe, share, and review. For Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to Subway to Shea. Let's go Mets.